Today we're going to continue on with our series of God's Amazing People. They tell me that it's supposed to be cooler in the next few hours, so when you wake up in the morning, it's going to feel like fall. So for those of you that are ready for that, it's coming. I can always put enough clothes on to be warm. I normally cannot take enough off to get cool and still be decent. So I'm looking forward to some cooler weather. Anybody that's ever been to my house, they'll tell you real quick, you better bring long sleeves if you're cold-natured because I, I keep that thermostat down. So I'm looking forward to some cooler weather. It's good to be in the house of the Lord today. And uh, we're going to start this morning in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 11. While we're pulling that up, Hebrews 11 and 13, well, you got that one. We'll go with that one right there. Now, all these things happen unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. We have a book full of examples, and ladies and gentlemen, the last part of that says they've been given for our examples upon whom the ends of the world have come. That scripture rings home today probably more than it has in the last several months when you look at the Middle East and you look at how things are transitioning and shaping up. I'm not saying that it's going to all be over tomorrow, but I'm also going to tell you it could all be over tomorrow. We are living in a very volatile time in our world, and it if anything, we ought to be attached to this book more than, than ever before. These things have been put here for our example, and today we're going to look into the life of a man by the name of Isaac. Isaac in the Hebrew, his name literally means one who laughs or rejoices. Now, it's easy to find stuff to teach about and talk about when you're looking at Abraham. Abraham has got a lot of experiences. He takes up a whole lot of chapters in the book of Genesis. It's easy to find material when you're looking at the life of Jacob because Jacob's life, just to be honest with you, the very first part of Jacob's life is a train wreck. There's a lot of stuff in there about Jacob. You can look through Scripture and you'll find a lot of material about a lot of men. You never lack for teaching material when it comes to the life of Samson. But Isaac is a little different. Throughout Scripture, it'll talk about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But when you go to start looking for things to talk about about Isaac, you find his name mentioned you find a lot said about his coming on the scene. He's the promise to Abraham and Sarah. You read where the Lord tells him, I'm going to bless you with a son. And your children are going to be like the stars in the heaven and the sands on the seashore. We read a whole lot of that. But what did Isaac do that was so great? What does his life consist of? I began to look at that, and I began to ask myself that, those questions, and, and I've come up with a few things on Isaac. You could sum Isaac's life up in two words. He was faithful, and he was obedient. 
the first really incidents we read of, of Isaac, we find him going to be a sacrifice. The Lord, we know the Lord appears to, to Abraham in Genesis chapter 22, and he says, listen, I want you to take your son, your only son, Isaac, and I want you to offer him as a burnt offering unto me. And we read where they go a several days journey, and when they get to where they're going, it would be Isaac that would look at his dad and say, Father, I see the wood, I see the fire, I see everything in order, but where is the lamb? And Abraham would utter those famous words, the Lord will provide himself a sacrifice. And they will go up onto the mountain, and when they get there, one of the first things I noticed about Isaac is the Scripture says that Abraham bound Isaac and he laid him on the altar. According to what I've been able to find and study, they say that Isaac at this time could very well have been in his 30s. And I don't read where Isaac was combative. I don't read where Isaac said, oh, wait up, what's going on here? What do you think you're doing? But he was obedient. He willingly, from what I can read, allowed himself to be bound and placed on the altar. And God, if this is what you want, this is what I'm willing to offer. Ladies and gentlemen, that's a very powerful, powerful mindset. You talk about somebody that, that, that is submitted. Look no further than Isaac. God, whatever you want to do, if, this is, if your plan means this, then I'm willing to do whatever it takes. I don't read where Isaac struggled with an attitude. I never read where Isaac just caused all kinds of strife and chaos. But I read of a man that was very obedient. Ladies and gentlemen, if you and I are going to be blessed, I'm going to have to have those two qualities in my life. I'm going to have to be obedient to the word of the Lord, and I'm going to have to be submitted in my own self to God. You look at Isaac, and you begin to, the few times that he's mentioned, he's always attentive to what God wants to do. How many of you would be willing to say, okay, God, bind me up and lay me on the altar and whatever you want to do, here I am. If it means, if it means the end of me to further your kingdom, then, then, then here I am. You see, many times I want everything that God has to offer, but I don't want to endure any of the submission that goes along with it. We're going through a time at my house right now when I have a two-year-old that is exerting herself and showing herself to have a will and a mind of her own. The other day she was sitting at the table and one of the girls did something, something happened, and Mimi goes. I said, Mimi, what's wrong with you? She said, I'm so mad. Well, you got the same pants to get glad in. Here's, here's life. You know, it's not always going to go your way. What can I tell you? You still have to eat your vegetables. 
But there is within that two-year-old a will and a mind of her own that is starting to exert itself. And it's up to me as her dad and her mother to correct her and to line her out. Unfortunately, sometimes her big sisters think that it's time for them to step in and step into my role or their mom's role, and they get told, hey, you got to check yourself. you got to be careful what you allow to chastise you, if you will, and what you submit yourself to. But make no mistakes, I've got to be submitted to God. I can't be blessed. I can't be blessed in my finances. I can't be blessed in my marriage. I can't be blessed in life in general if I'm not obedient and I'm not submissive. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 says um, that we are to present our bodies unto the Lord as a living sacrifice. I don't like that part. I like the part where in Matthew, when we're speaking about, you know, life, I want to be like Simon Peter when the Lord looks at him and he says, well, who do men say that I am? And Simon Peter said, well, thou art the Christ. And he says, well, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my spirit. And he goes, upon this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I know I'm paraphrasing, I'm probably messing this all up, but he says, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. And whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I like that part. Give me the keys. I've got teenagers in the house right now that are starting to drive, and the thing that I get asked a lot is, can I have the keys? They want to drive. They want the freedom and the ability to put that key in the ignition and turn it and make the car go where they want to go. That's human nature. I like having the power to bind and loose things in my life. But I want to point out something to you. You can't bind and loose things until you yourself are first bound. I want to have spiritual power. I want to have spiritual authority in my life. I want to be able to see some things happen spiritually when I'm praying and when I'm going through life. And ladies and gentlemen, I've come to tell you today, if you are not submitted and you yourself have not been bound and placed on an altar, you will not have spiritual authority to loose and bind things in the spirit. What made Isaac great was as a young man, there came the day when he was placed on the altar and he was bound and he was offered. No, Abraham, I don't want you to kill him. But I do want to see if he's going to be submitted to me. I want to see the mindset. See, I've made this all about Abraham throughout throughout the years. I've looked at it as it was Abraham's test. But it wasn't just Abraham's test, it was Isaac's test. Because Isaac is the next generation, and in case, you, and in case you've missed it throughout, li- throughout your life, this is to be passed from one generation to another generation. Bishop very eloquently talked about Elijah several weeks ago. And Elijah is unique in Scripture in the fact that the Bible says, I look at the miracles, I look at everything that Elijah did, but the Scripture says that Elijah was like you and me. Yet he prayed 
earnestly that it wouldn't rain. And it rained not for the span of three years and six months. What made Elijah unique was his walk with God. And what made Elisha great was that the mantle was passed from Elijah to Elisha. And the greatest frustration of Elisha's ministry was when he got ready to die, there was no one to pass the mantle to. Why? Because Elisha's servant got greedy and couldn't humble himself before God. He never knew what it was like to be bound and placed on an altar. And I'm not talking about physically bound. I'm talking about where your will becomes secondary to God. Where your life becomes secondary to God. That's what made Elijah great. That's what made Elisha great. But when it came time for Elisha to die and he was sick unto death, he was frustrated because there was no one in his house that was there that, 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 that the, the anointing could be passed to. And so he goes and he calls for the king and he tries to implement spiritual insight and value to the king. And he says, take the arrows and smite the ground. And as many times as you smite the ground is how many times I'm going to smite Moab. And the king strikes about three times and stops. And the Bible says that Elisha was wroth. And his response to the king was, why would you not keep on going till you had a complete victory? Well, the answer was simple. The king was used to being in authority and, and, and calling the shots and doing what he wanted. And Elisha needed a man that was humble, who was submitted to God and obedient to the word of the Lord so that the anointing could flow from one generation to another generation to another generation. That's why the psalmist said, one generation shall praise thy works to another generation. I'm living this life in order to see the furtherance of the kingdom of God in the next generation. And so Abraham represents that, and also Isaac, because when it came time to offer that sacrifice, the Lord said, I need to know something. Is this going to pass, or is it going to stop? Because if Isaac isn't ready for it, then it's going to die with Abraham, and I'm going to have to further it along. You see, God will do anything in your life, but here's the catch. You have to be willing to allow him to. God can have all the blessings lined up for you. He can have opportunities lined up for your life, but if you're unwilling to submit and yield yourself to him... He can't do what he wants to do. So the very first time we see Isaac, we see a man that submitted. A few chapters later, Abraham will look to his servant and he'll say, look, I'm getting old. I'm getting ready to die. I want you to go back to my people. And I want you to find a a, a daughter to bring back, a maiden to bring back, to be a wife for my son. Now, at this point, Isaac's 40 years old. I'm 42. And I feel 42 a lot more than I felt 20. 
I carry more in the middle at 42 than I ever carried at 20. I know that's my fault, okay? Judgmental bunch. Isaac becomes a husband at 40. That speaks something to that man's character. He lived in a land that was populated. But the Lord told Abraham, and Abraham told Isaac, I don't want you reaching outside of what I, the covenant that I'm going to establish to find a mate to spend the rest of your life with. And so here is a man, when I tell you he was faithful and he was obedient and he was submitted, here is a man that said, you know what, if it means checking my flesh, I'll check my flesh until God gets ready to bless me because I want the covenant and I want the blessing to flow through my life. Easy. I'm not telling you you got to wait till 40 to get married. But I'm saying that speaks volumes about the character of the man Isaac. I don't have to have tons of stories written in Scripture of how great this man was and his accomplishments. When you tell me he could be faithful and he could check himself and he could submit himself until God moved and God opened the door and God provided, that speaks volumes about the character of that man. You want to be known as a man of integrity, a man of character, a woman of integrity, a woman of, in, uh, of character, and you submit yourself to God. You put yourself on the altar. You be the living sacrifice. You submit yourself, and you let God work, and He will forge a character that will speak for you from generation to generation to generation. But it takes you being submitted. I never read where Isaac got angry and rose up against Abraham and said, why does it have to be this way? I want to put this in perspective. You Several years ago, there was a movie that was made. I have not seen the movie. I'll preference that. But it was a comedy, and the, and the title of the movie was The 40-Year-Old Virgin. You see, our society in today's world, we look at that and we find stuff to make fun of a commitment that a man made and followed in Scripture. It's humorous to us today. But that man was submitted to God. That man carried on. That man is named as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He's in that, he's in that group. Ladies and gentlemen, it does not matter what my world says about my commitment and my walk with God. I'm trying to live a blessed life. I'm trying to live a holy life. I want the favor of God because if I don't have the favor of God, my finances are not going to be right. If I don't have the favor of God, my relationships are not going to be right. If I don't have the favor of God, I cannot be the man that I'm called to be. Isaac grasped a long time ago, it doesn't matter what my friends are doing. It doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. I will line my life up with biblical things. 
I'm going to be sensitive to the voice of the Lord. And we live in a society and in a world that says the voice of God is irrelevant. It does not matter. But I'm here today to tell you if you are going to go where God desires you to go, if you want to see blessings in your life that will blow your mind, you have to be submitted to the voice of the Lord. Isaac doesn't get angry in the waiting. He just says, God, you lead and I'll follow. Those are some mighty big words that fall off the tongue so easily. You lead, I'll follow. You see, we're talking about being obedient. We're talking about being submissive. John Maxwell said it this way. He said, a good leader is not a goat herder. I don't lead or I don't follow because I'm made to follow. I follow because the example that has been said is one of love, and I willingly submit myself. That's the way the Lord leads. He loved me. He died for me. And I submit myself, not because I have to, but because he loves me enough that I willingly say, God, I love you more than I love this. I love you more than I love me. I'm living proof of this. I, I teach this in my home. This is not something that I'm up here rattling to you. I believe this. Isaac was submitted to his father as well as the voice of the Lord. You live, you do, you, I'm just teaching. You live your life the way you want, but I'm going to tell you how I roll. The voice of the pastor has weight in my house. I'm submitted to the man of God in my life. And I can tell you this, I have been blessed in my relationships, in my finances. You carry it anywhere you want to carry it. You have to have the voice of the man of God in your life. What made Isaac great was he was submitted to Abraham. Abraham said, it's going to require this. I'm going to have to bind you. I'm going to have to lay you on an altar. I've heard the voice of the Lord. And Isaac didn't say, oh, no, you didn't. You better back up, bud. About to dot your eyes, you come at me with that rope. You better get back. I'm going to hurt you. No, he... You look at people that are blessed beyond measure in the church, and I'll show you people that the man of God's voice can ring loud and clear, and it sounds throughout their home. He 
He doesn't always tell me what I want to hear. I'm not submitted because I always hear what I want to hear, Brother Carpenter. I'm submitted because I reverence the voice of God. Years later, when Isaac is a man, there comes a time where he's in the land of the Philistines and the Bible says that there is a sore famine that comes on the land. And so Isaac is about to make a decision. He's about to take his family and move and sojourn in the land of Egypt until the famine's over. That sounds familiar. That's a plan that his dad has used in the past. Yet the Lord speaks to Isaac and he says, Isaac, I don't think you need to go down that road. I think you need to stay where you're at. Matter of fact, I don't think you need to stay where you're at. You need to stay and dwell in the land of the Philistines and I'm going to take care of you. And he doesn't balk at that. He doesn't, he doesn't recoil from the voice of the Lord, but he submits himself. Where did that come from? That came from being submitted to his dad as the, as the man of God for the family. That was ingrained in this young man. How are you going to hear the voice of the Lord? How are you going to know the voice of the Lord if the voice of the man of God can't speak in your life? I don't need that man to speak in my life. Really? Really? I can be my own. I'm Holy Ghost filled. I'm, you know, I'm a Christian. I can be bad all by myself. I don't need anybody else to speak in my life. That's the problem. You can be bad all by yourself because you don't have a man of God that can speak to you that can get on your level and say, hey, this is the way. You hear that? She's agreeing with me 100% back there. I'm not here to beat you up, but I am here to say, you got to have a voice in your life. These people are given as our examples. That's Scripture. That ain't me making that up. That's the Word of God. I want to be blessed. I want everything that I touch to be blessed, okay? Everything that I do, when I walk on my job, I want to be blessed. When I, when, I, when I go about my business, I want to be blessed. I want the hand of the Lord on my life. I want the protection and the provision and whatever God wants. Here I am. How do you get that? You get that by obedience and submission. So Isaac stays in the land of the Philistines. And the Bible says that he goes and gets his plow and he begins to till up dry, barren ground. And he begins to plant a crop in the middle of a famine. And they look at him and I'm sure people were saying, what are you doing? Dude, you've lost your mind. Do you know how much seed costs? You know, you know how much it costs to put a crop in the ground? You are being a fool, man. But Isaac plants. And the Bible says that the earth yielded an enormous crop. It put forth. I've got to be submitted because in the midst of the dry, I've got to see a harvest. I'm going to step out on a limb here. I've never pastored a day in my life. 
But I can promise you this. You know what happens with a lot of dry, dead churches? A lot of dry fields that go through a famine? They go through it. Because people wouldn't hear and begin to plow when it didn't look good. I'm going to put seed in the ground when I don't feel anything. I'm going to put seed in the ground when it doesn't make sense. I'm going to be submitted when I, I don't feel like being submitted. I'm going to be submitted and obedient when things don't look good. And when God says, don't, I'm not going to do it. And when he says, stay, I'm going to stay. And when he says, put, put it in the ground, I'll do whatever. I want revival. I want harvest. And I don't believe there's such a thing as a burnover field or a dried up field or an unplantable field or, or a field that won't yield a harvest. I don't, I don't find that principle in the Word of God. What I find is if you're obedient and you follow after the Lord and you listen, there will be a harvest. So Isaac is willing To reach and to stay. Well, it doesn't look like it's profitable. And one of the final things that I find in the life of Isaac, don't worry, you're not getting out of here that early, is he would redig the old wells. He went back, and the wells that were stopped up by the enemies of his father. He began to redig wells. He began to, to cherish those things. You know, the scripture talks about a, 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 about a man by the name of Josiah. And Josiah is a unique man in scripture. He's one of my favorite people to read about. You see, the land of, the land of Israel in the time of Josiah had gone back to worshiping idols. They had forsaken the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And they had gone back to worshiping idols. Matter of fact, there was a king in Israel that was so afraid that the people would go to Jerusalem and the house of Judah and that they would offer sacrifices that he didn't build just one golden calf. He built two, and he built a massive altar. And he told Israel, he said, here's where you're going to go, and you're going to worship the Lord. And so he led the people in idolatry, and there was a prophet that would come down one day, and he would look at that man, and he would say, I'm going to tell you right now, that altar is going to be destroyed, and there's going to be bones that are going to be burned on that altar. And when that king got so angry hearing the word that the prophet spoke, he started to reach for the prophet, and the Bible says that his hand withered. And so that prophecy had gone forth. Hundreds of years later, there'll be a young boy that'll take the throne of Israel by the name of Josiah. And Josiah begins to follow after the Lord. He begins to walk with the Lord. And the Bible says that he begins to cleanse the land of idolatry. And he goes down to where this, alt this altar has been built to this idol. And he begins to break down the altar. And the Bible says he looks to the sepulchers. And he says, hey, you go get the bones of those old false prophets out of there. And you burn them on that altar. 
And in the midst of doing all that, he looks and he spies a sepulcher and he spies some writing and he's about to instruct them to go pull the bones out of that sepulcher. And he asked him, he said, what's the deal with the writing and, and the inscription and everything on that sepulcher? And they said, oh, that's the bones of the man of God that prophesied that this was going to happen. And Josiah said, no, we're not touching those bones. There's some things, ladies and gentlemen, there's some bones you need to keep and there's some bones you need to discard. There's some influences in my life that I need to discard. And there's some things that I need to keep. And that's what Isaac got a hold of. That's why he was redigging old wells that his dad had put in the ground, was because there were some things that meant something. There were some things that were sacred to him. And he said, You know what? I'm not just going to let this go by and, and let this be destroyed, but I'm going to preserve what another generation has laid down and put into me. There are some influences I don't need in my life, influences from my past. That would lead me back from what God brought me from. I don't need those things. They need to be left on an altar. But there's some things I need to keep. This glorious truth doesn't change from generation to generation. The word of the Lord is the same. This stays. I may get a little, I, I may evolve in my society a little bit. But you hear me. There's some things that are concrete. There's some things that have still got to flow in my life. There's some wells that I can't afford for them to be stopped up, but they still have to flow. How are you going to know what to keep and what to discard if there's no voice of the Lord in your life? I'm going to say this. You can take it any way you want. I've never heard the audible voice of the Lord. But he's spoken to me from his word. And many, 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 many times, the man of God has let go of a word from the Lord. And it hit me right here. And it drove me to a place where I laid everything down. You ever thought about something? Many, many times in Scripture, the people we read about, we read about how they messed up, how they drove their spiritual car off the cliff, and then how they found their way back on track. I mean, that's, that's some, of the, some of the stories that we read and we look to. That's Samson, you know, he's all over the place, and then finally gets everything lined out. You, you read about David and, and all of the great things that David did, yet there, there's the time where he drives the car off the road. I never read that about Isaac. I'm not saying he wasn't human, not saying you're never going to fall, but I will say this. If you want to minimize the damage, and instead of having a spiritual head-on, you have a fender bender, you would do well to have a voice in your life. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Like get Abraham. He was, you know, he's, he did a lot of great things. Walked all over the place, 
looked for a city whose builder and maker was God. He did all kinds of great things. I, I get that guy. You know, he's there. He's there in institute tithe paying back to Melchizedek when he goes and wipes. I mean, he wipes out everybody and, and, and does all this. And, and you know, and I, I get Jacob. You know, he's the liar and the cheater and the, the guy that's manipulating behind the scenes and then gets it right. And, you know, I mean, he, he worked 10 years or seven years and got Leah and another seven years for Rachel. And, I mean, I get that whole story woven through the tapestry. But why Isaac? He didn't kill a giant. He didn't lob anybody's head off in Scripture that I read. What a bummer. You know? Let's be honest. What did this guy do that's so great? I mean, you see, we have a preconceived idea of what greatness looks like. And God has an idea of what greatness looks like. I like the redemption stories because they speak to me. But God says, you know what? There wouldn't be those stories if you would just obey and hear my voice. I know we all have to be saved. Don't get me wrong. But I could have avoided a whole lot of heartache in my life if I would have simply listened to the voice of the Lord. What makes Isaac great is what you don't read about Isaac. Everywhere, everywhere I find him, he's obedient. He's faithful. He's steadfast. He's unwavering. And God says, that's what I want to do with you. That's what I want to do with you. But you don't understand. I'm a train wreck. I know you're a train wreck. I know, you're, I know you struggle because your life is like this. But if you'll submit to me and listen to me, I'll make your life like this. It wasn't because Isaac was great that made him consistent. It's because he was obedient. It's because a long time ago he was bound, laid on an altar. And his spirit was such that it was not my will, but thine be done. I want the blessings of God in my life and in my home. And I don't want it to stop with just me and my wife. I want it to go from generation to generation to generation. I want to live where the scripture says that children are, uh, many children are as quivers, are arrows in the quiver of a mighty man. I want to see God launch my kids into the next generation of apostolic ministry. And I can't get them there if I'm not obedient to the voice of the Lord. I want the blessings of God in everything that I do, from my finances to my relationships, everything. I want to be an Isaac. I want it to be said of me when the time comes and I leave this earth. I want it to be said of me. He was a faithful man. He was an obedient man. And he 
loved and submitted to the voice of the Lord. Stand with me this morning. We're about to shut everything down and take a 10-minute break, and then we're going to start service. But I feel the Lord in this room. Could we just reach to him for one moment? God, I love you. Lord, you have been so very good to us. I'm asking God that you would touch us this morning. I'm asking God that you would take out my fleshly heart and the, or the stony heart and you would put a fleshly heart in me. God, help your word to go forth and help it to, to resonate in my soul. God, I'm asking that you would touch us and guide us, lead us, speak to us today, I pray. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said amen. We're going to take a 10-minute break, and then we'll start service. Thank you for being in Church Road this morning.